Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, Facebook plans on changing its name. Apple, of course, reveals two brand new pieces of Apple Silicon. I give you a deep dive into that, as well as the laptops that they are in. The new Pixel 6s are actually out. We have all the details on those. Samsung had, had an event and also spyware orbs for crypto. All that and more coming today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, guys. Good evening, North. I'm going to write this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. You know what's amazing? We had three, count them, three different tech events this week. Only one matters. We'll cover all three very briefly for uh, for everything they had. We're going to, of course, get more into the... Apple one, of course, that easily had the most juicy information in it. But we're going to start with quite possibly the most blatant attempt ever of Facebook trying to get some goodwill back. And by try to get some goodwill back, I mean, let the name Facebook go into a dumpster fire and burn there forever as they're just like, you know, maybe we should go ahead and change Facebook's name as part of a company rebranding effort. Who's going to fall for this? (laughs) Who? It's okay. Facebook's not that bad anymore. Now they're called butt video instead. And now... Instead of being Facebook, they're butt video. It's the exact same service with the exact same look. But now with a blue letter B instead of an F. I mean, who's going to... Come on. The whole point of this plan, by the way, as far as I can tell, Facebook is trying to market it as... We're planning on doing this to more focus on the fact that we are more than just a social media platform. That we go ahead, we go out of our way to bring in all these services together under one roof. Which, by the way, is very laughable that you're going to try and rebrand yourself that way. As literally every body of government ever across the world is trying to figure out how to get Facebook to break itself apart. Or, in the case of certain branches of the U.S. government, looking at how to force Facebook to break itself apart. Yeah, I kind of hate to break it to you, Facebook, but um, putting makeup on the pig does not change the fact that it's a pig. But here's the part that slays me, all right? Chat brought up some halfway decent points. And I say halfway, because I'll, I'll explain why I say halfway. That they say the people are going to fall for it are 
going to be your elderly, the people who are not as technologically savvy, which is a good point. Here's my counterpoint. They're not the people Facebook needs to fool. Right now, Facebook has hit a growth cliff. They are having an extremely hard time growing because all the people that are left that are not on Facebook are those who hate Facebook. Everyone else that's neutral or whatever about Facebook, they're already on Facebook because all their other naive friends and family already convinced them to be on Facebook. They're already on the service. They're not the ones that Facebook would gain by changing its name. It's basically us. Those who are more technologically savvy, those who go ahead and seek out the stories as to why Facebook is so profitable, as to how Facebook operates itself, as to how incompetent Facebook is, as it continues to leak out the information it's harvesting over and over and over again, as the fact that not only is Facebook just a giant piece of spyware that you sign up for to be infected with spyware, but that they're bad at being spyware. Actually, they're good at being spyware. They're just bad at keeping the information they mine. So what's the point? What is the point of the name change? It's not going to help you get growth. The rest of us know. The rest of us are going to go ahead, go to Engadget, go to The Verge, even though you probably shouldn't, go to the New York Times, go to wherever, seeing massive headlines. Facebook is now known as Buttface. And we're going to know to ignore Buttface. Or whatever they end up calling themselves. Probably something better than Buttface, I imagine. I will say, I'll tell you what, Facebook. If you change your name to Buttface, I will make a new account. I will promise on this mic, if Facebook changes their name to Buttface, I will make an account on Buttface. I'll do it. You won't, though. There's a 0% chance they'll do it, because that's a stupid idea. There's the other question. Is, is Buttface already... Uh, is Buttface already trademarked? I would say no. There's no way anyone is, is that dumb. But I forgot I live in a world with Elon Musk. If anyone would have trademarked Buttface, it would totally be Elon Musk. Let's be perfectly honest. Now, while all that's going on, senators are pressuring Facebook to immediately discontinue their Novi wallet pilot. The Novi wallet, for those who don't remember, is Facebook's attempt to get into the lucrative space of cryptocurrency. You know, that thing that everyone loves and definitely isn't sick of hearing. 
also more and more i am seeing more and more actual serious people try to claim that and the worst part is they're serious about this or it's either that or they're really 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 good trolls because they are doubling down on their trolley claims they're trying to claim that nfts are a better investment than a house But the Novi wallet, by the way, was Facebook's attempt to try and mainstream the idea of having a cryptocurrency wallet. Now, of course, Facebook is kind of late to this game. CoinBank kind of went ahead and beat them to it. Chat has just brought to my attention that... uh, there is a trademark for butt face. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It was filed on the 30th of September, 1992. But it's okay. Buttface.com is still available. Actually, the trademark is currently in the status of being abandoned. So, it's still possible. It's still absolutely possible. Someone actually trademarked Buttface for crying out loud. But while Facebook tried to get into the... uh, Oh, there's a t-shirt trademark called Buttface. That one is still active. Okay. It does mean that Facebook could still do it. I think. Again, not a legal expert. Just know enough to mostly understand. But the Novi wallet was an attempt for facebook customers to be able to buy and exchange cryptocurrency specifically the one that facebook was making now facebook put their own cryptocurrency project on ice a while back but the wallet project continued to move forward very very slowly but now the um the banking committee senators said that facebook should shut down the pilot even though it was just recently opened up. And quite frankly, I can't blame them. Would you trust Facebook with your... No, you wouldn't. Stop lying. It doesn't even matter what I say. Would you trust Facebook with your... No. Just no. That is the correct answer. I literally trust Blizzard more than I trust Facebook. But while that's going on in the U.S., apparently there's another trademark for butt face filed in March 10th of 2006 that is still currently active. Okay, well... 
Rip the butt face social network. I guess Facebook won't get my account after all. Oh, well. Meanwhile, in the UK, Facebook has been fined 69, nice, 0.6 million US dollars for breaking the rules in regards to its Giphy takeover. Facebook took control of Giphy at some point that kind of just flew under the radar because Facebook does so much. A lot of things end up under the radar. Acquired it for $400 million. However, somewhere along the line that uh, somewhere along the line, the, the CMA, which is short for the, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, showed that, um, well, in fact, Facebook's takeover of Giphy does, in fact, greatly lessen competition and has been fined 50.5 million Doctor Who dollars for breaching those enforcement orders. Or if you convert 50.5 million pounds to USD, it comes to 69.6 million. Nice. But it's okay, because Facebook won't have to pay if they become buttface or some other (laughs) stupid name. I'm lying about that last part. They're still going to have to pay even if they try and change their name. That's not how that works. They can't just weasel out of it by changing their name. Meanwhile, in Google land, Google has lowered their Play Store fees up to 15%. I'm sorry, to 15% on subscription apps and as low as 10% for various media apps. This is in regards to the cut between what the Play Store gets and what the developer gets on certain transactions on the Google Play Store. So normally Google in the past has always done a 70-30 split. And of course, if you've been listening to the Epic versus Apple case, first off, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Oh, that case won't end. It's going to keep going until I'm dead. Uh, I'm fine with it, though. But while that appeal is going on, Google has decided to get ahead of the game and start lowering their cuts to be more friendly. Now, this could be one of two reasons. This could be either A, trying to get ahead of the lawsuit that could, in fact, come to Google from the Epic Game Store... after Epic is done with Apple, or B, with all of this news, 
focused on developer and platform cuts, they're trying to go ahead and say, you know, our cut is lower. Hey, new developers, our way in is much, much easier. And I can actually confirm because I've actually gone through and looked to see what it would take to get an absolute joke of a RPG that I made on stream once onto the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. We basically determined there's no way it's going to make sense either way and just decide to scrap it. But getting it on the Google Play Store is way, way easier than getting it on the Apple app store and then of course you add in the cherry on top saying you know the cut is better on the google play store than it is on apple and there are more android devices out there in the world than there are ios devices you can see how this sort of move could be used to try and draw in more developers and help enrich your content library which let's be honest in the mobile space especially in the mobile gaming space their needs underline needs to be more variety and more unique content in regards to mobile gaming it's right now getting to the point that everyone is cloning each other and everyone is get, is also cloning everyone else's bad ideas. And I, for one, am getting really, really sick of it. Even though I have come to the conclusion there is no escape. <sighs> just, just sigh. Someone in chat says iOS users are likely to pay, pay likely to pay for apps, though. Yes and no. Apple's made that argument for the longest time that iOS users are more likely to pay, but when push comes to shove, the amount of money that almost everyone is expected to pay for an app is zero. The golden age of buying an app for 99 cents is gone. It, it it left the it left the train station at around 2011, regardless of whether it's iOS or Android, which is why everyone has tons upon tons upon tons of either ads or the far more common practice, especially in the mobile gaming space, in app purchases. It's paying 99 cents for, to get into the game. Ugh, that's bad. Paying 99 cents for a loot box inside the game. Oh heck, I'll take 50. I'll take 50. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. Because I personally would much much rather 
just pay five bucks up front, whether on Android or iOS, to just get a halfway decent game. And not have to try and worry about shelling out 500 bucks in loot boxes to go ahead and get the hero you want. Yeah, it's, it's just not appealing to me. But unfortunately in the mobile space, my mindset is very, very, very much in the minority. And I really do wish it wasn't. However, while that's all going on, it's not like Google is innocent in the whole kerfuffle of looking into things. Regulators have ordered Apple, Google, and Google to hand over App Store payment system data. As the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau is looking deeper into how payment system plans work in a number of companies and not just Google and Apple also Facebook PayPal and Amazon are also being swept up in this investigation no idea what's going to what's going to come of this i of course am not the consumer finance protection bureau so i have no idea what what they see to warrant an investigation but this could be something that could quite possibly be very, very big news down the world road. Or it could be nothing. Only time will tell. But shifting gears radically, there is some good news. For those of you using Ryzen processors on Windows 11, there is a fix rolling out! Woo! We can go ahead and get that wonderful performance back that Windows 11 stole. Underline stole from anyone who didn't dare to use an Intel processor with Windows 11. Or you could be like me and have a wonderful bowl of popcorn and just chuckle quite a lot at the fact that everyone ignored you when you said you probably shouldn't be using Windows 11 at freaking all right now and probably should, you know, wait a few months. Like six to 18. Maybe even 24. You know, a few months. But at least there is hope for all those Ryzen users out there. What there isn't hope for, however, is the fact that Gigabyte has hit yet another ransomware attack. Because they handled the first one so well. Clearly. Clearly. 
we're just going to go ahead and uh, try again. So for those who don't remember, Gigabyte was hit with a ransomware attack not too long ago that actually went and sunk their entire returns and repairs division. Like they lost all the info. So a lot of customers that went ahead and returned defective graphic cards, which by the way, Gigabyte had a bunch of defective graphic cards that were killed by New World. Whoops. And a lot of those customers, uh, Yeah, they would never get their cards back unless they called Gigabyte and forked over a ton of information because Gigabyte didn't have their information anymore. Thus showing that uh, Gigabyte might not be the most uh, reliable person out there at all when it comes to hardware manufacturing. Speaking of Gigabyte being reliable, Gigabyte has introduced Project CeeLo. A modular PC system in which you stack triangular cup coasters on top of each other. You have the base model that has your CPU and RAM in it. Then you have the model above that, which has its storage. And then the GPU, or maybe it's the GPU and then the I.O. or... The whole thing, but here's my question for this kind of nifty idea that HP tried once and it didn't really go anywhere. Why the heck would I look to Gigabyte for this kind of PC model? And while we're at it, where are the chips for this thing going to come from? You can't even keep GPUs in stock. What chance do you have of keeping this in stock? Although here's the real question. Can I stack 20 of those GPU nodes on top of each other? What? Why, why do I want to know this? No, no, no reason. No reason at all. Definitely not. Uh, no, no, no reason at all. Why? Why would you think I want a stack of uh, of this kind of computer for easily accessed uh, cryptocurrency mining? That's crazy. You're crazy. Someone in chat says, so you're saying I could stack 20 of these GPUs and link it to a single CPU? Exactly. Clearly. There's probably something that would stop that. Like, there has to be, right? Right? God, I hope so. That'd be horrifying otherwise. But while Gigabyte is doing that, Intel is officially launching their 12th gen Alder Lake desktop CPUs. These are going to be the ones that run the big little architecture. These. 
These are the actual big little x86 processors. The, this is the future of x86, mostly because it's built on the Z690 platform. That's how you know it's the future. Chat wants to know what nanometers is built on. You know, I'm actually not sure. I know it's not 14 nanometer. I'm fairly certain it's 10. It might be 7. The fact the article isn't really saying it is making me wonder if it's somehow also 14 nanometers still. I'm I'm 80% positive it's 10 nanometer. Chat someone in chat also says it's 10 nanometer. Yeah, even the spec list or the spec list TM is not saying what the fab is. I am pretty, pretty confident it is. It's 10 nanometer. I don't think they got lower than 10 nanometer yet. But you know, it's the big little architecture, the actual real. real big little architecture that Windows 10 was built to run absolutely flawlessly on. These things are going to be screaming CPUs with no downsides whatsoever. Absolutely no downside to using this new architecture over others. Nope. No siree. Why do you not believe me? Is it because I keep saying over and over again there are no downsides whatsoever to using this architecture? Okay, there might be a small downside. According to Tom's hardware, Intel's Alder Lake CPUs may not work with older games. Whoops. That's a bit concerning. So the 12th generation Alder Lake CPUs apparently are having a bit of performance issues and compatibility issues with far, far older games. And specifically, it is coming it is having problems with the DRM on these older systems. So, someone asked in chat, how old are we talking? Unfortunately, at this time, we don't know. But the article from uh, Tom's Hardware is suggesting some games like Assassin's Assassin's Creed Origins could have a lot of problems.
Now, of course, this is all just kind of speculation right now. We don't have the chips in hand. So it's going to be one that once the chips are actually in developers' hands, we can go ahead and take a look to see what is happening, how is it happening, how to fix. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Now, keep in mind that this is all a speculation article as of this time. This could be a non-issue. Almost every other time I've heard of there being a possible DRM issue with a brand new CPU, it ends up being nothing. But the fact we haven't heard this in a while and it's coming up again, it does make you wonder... There's a chance they might know something that I don't, especially since this is quite a bit of a significant architecture change. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Apple! Apple announced some things, and a lot of people are chugging, chugging the Apple Kool-Aid this time around. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. The Apple event this past Monday was fascinating because Apple knew they needed to announce multiple products. It's very, very odd for an Apple event to never have multiple products. So you know what they did? They very, very quickly went into Photoshop, took their HomePod minis and just messed with the hue slider and called it a new product. The HomePod minis now are available for the same price, but in multiple different colors. I believe there are, yep, five bold colors. Still $100 each, which, which still makes them the worst costing smart speakers in the smart speaker market. But I will say this much. Apple does acknowledge one thing. No one cares about the base HomePod. Pretty much no one. Have you noticed that? We haven't heard the name HomePod without there being a mini at the end of it since the first one was announced. They know 300 bucks is way too expensive for that. And $600 is even worse if you want stereo. So they are pushing the mini much, much harder. But I imagine much like the Apple TV was when it first announced, not many people are buying into it because it's, you know, it's a Siri powered smart speaker. Why would you do that when you can have the Echo talk to you instead? 
of which I just triggered mine, and you couldn't hear it. And it's still trying to listen, like a lost puppy. And it's still trying to respond, even though it's not wired in. It's crazy. But then also to go ahead and say, don't worry, we have something else. They went ahead and get this. They took the AirPods Pro, disabled their bad active noise canceling, and took off the silicone ear tips. And it's now the third generation AirPods. That is basically it. It's a better form factor, just without the silicon seal. It's 180 bucks for these. The second gen ones are still available for like 130 or something like that. And then the AirPods Pro, the one with the silicon tips, are 250. Now, if you're waiting for me to have a hot take, here, here it is. Here's my hot take. These AirPods are better than the AirPods Pro. Now, of course, everyone's going to be different, but I can already tell you based on my experience with earbuds that do and don't have silicon tips, I can actually wear non-silicon tipped earbuds far, far, far longer than I can ones that, that actually insert with a silicon tip. And of course, everyone's different, mind you. But everyone going, why would you do this? There's no silicon tip. It would be terrible, terrible. God, it's awful. If I'd actually go out and get Apple earbuds, because I'm locked into that ecosystem and also suffering from Stockholm Syndrome and not wanting to go outside of the Apple ecosystem, this would be my pick. However, I'm not locked in the Apple's ecosystem, so I can actually pick what I use. Whoa! What a concept. All right, let's talk about the Apple Silicon chips. There were two Apple Silicon CPUs that were announced. Now, keep in mind, the Apple Silicon chips are full-blown system on a chips. Everything that makes the computer what it is, is on one chip. Previously, all we had was the M1 for Max. There's a different alphabet soup of annoyance and inferiority on the iPad and the iPhone line. But... Now for Max, we have the M1, which we've seen quite a bit. But now we also have the M1 Pro. And for some stupid reason, we also have the M1 Max. Now these are both 10 core CPUs, which is a lie, by the way, which include 
eight performance cores and two efficiency cores. So it's not a 10 core CPU, it's an eight plus two core CPU. The biggest difference between the two is the M1 Pro is a 16 core GPU and the M1 Max is a 32 core GPU. Which then you might ask, what does that mean? And the answer is, I don't know. It's one thing to try and measure the performance from a CPU to a CPU. Measuring performance between a GPU and a GPU by numbers alone is literally, not literally, but almost completely impossible. The game pretty much completely changes once you go to a GPU. The only thing you can say for sure is that the M1 Pro is going to have half the GPU performance of the M1 Max. And that's pretty much all we can tell you. Now, Apple did give us a lot of graphs that pretty much told us nothing. I will at least give Apple credit. In the graphs that told us nothing, they at least told us which PC they were measuring up against in the graphs that told us nothing. So at least we have that. I'm actually hoping they have the graphs here for up oh, they do. The graphs just show power consumption in watts and then relative performance, which is a unit of measurement of, I don't know. And they do the same thing for the GPU, power consumption, performance, and all this sort of jazz. And what I actually do love is that the graphs they show on their website do not show what the laptop they are comparing to is. By the way, in the actual presentation, uh, one of them was a Razer Blade 15. A laptop that has inadequate cooling and therefore undervolts its CPU and GPU rather drastically. Yeah, they cherry-picked that. They absolutely cherry-picked that. The only way they could have cherry-picked harder is if they went for... God, who makes a really bad laptop? Dell. They could have gone for a Dell laptop instead. That'd be the only way they could have cherry-picked better. So, someone in chat says, what about HP and Lenovo? Um, HP, maybe. Lenovo. I would actually trust Lenovo to get cooling down 
Especially if you're going to compare it to a Lenovo ThinkPad. The idea pads are usually a little lacking, but it's nowhere near as bad as a lot of these like thin and light laptops that everyone's trying to make. Like it is just laughably bad. Razer probably being one of the worst offenders. Dell just being incompetent in general. I'm sorry, but Dell, what happened to you? Dell used to be the gold standard for mediocrity. Now they're subpar. They need to work back up to being the gold standard of mediocre. They're just not there yet. Someone in chat says a Chromebook. A Chromebook wouldn't show up on the graph. I mean, we're comparing power. There's no power in a Chromebook. None whatsoever. Now, here's what's rather interesting about the laptops. We have two models of the MacBook Pros. All right, and that's pretty much all they announced with with these chips in it. MacBook Pros, 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros. And these are completely redesigned laptops. How are they redesigned? Well, they stole the curves from the PowerBook G4. Put that on the outside. They stole the ports from the 2012 MacBook Pro lineup. Three Thunderbolt or USB 4 ports, HDMI, SD card slot, and the MagSafe charger are all back. And I was going to rip them for this until I learned that you can, in fact, still charge the laptop over Thunderbolt. Like, honestly, on paper, this laptop is really good. The touch bar is also gone. It is actually replaced with functional keys. The trackpad is massive. The screen is great quality, high refresh rate. The speakers are great. Like, all in all, if it was running a different operating system, it would be the perfect laptop. Until you look at the screen closer. And by closer, I mean take one glance at it because it sticks out like a sore thumb. I predicted last week they would not put a notch in the laptop because there were no rumors or physical showing of a notch in the screen. And that putting a notch in would make no sense. And I still stand by it. There was no evidence that there was going to be a notch in the screen. No one was able to produce factory images of notched screens for the MacBook Pro. And putting a notch in the in the laptop would make no made no sense. But they did it anyway. There is right smack in the middle of the top of the screen. And what I love is that this picture of the MacBook Pro they have here hides the notch because they know, they know they messed up. (laughs) 
They knew this was a bad idea. They did it anyway. You know what's even better? This mat, first, I mean, for, first off, fortunately, the notch only dips down into the top menu bar, which is always there in macOS anyway. So when push comes to shove, it's fine. It's only going to be obnoxious when you're in full screen content. But there's a problem. This massive notch, and it is a massive notch. You might be thinking they put a whole bunch of sensors in there. We have a real sense. 3D scanning a freaking laptop. That'd be fantastic. The same sort of technology you have in your iPhone. Going ahead and using Face ID. If you're a VTuber, you've got your real sense camera right there for seamless, fantastic, already built into one sort of device for animating your avatar. It's a 1080p webcam. That's it. No dot, dot projector. No infrared depth sensor. No infrared camera. No anything that makes up the real sense mechanism. See, like, I'm holding in my hand right now an old real sense camera. You can actually see, unless you're listening to the audio version, you can see there's three lenses on there because that's what it takes to make a real sense camera. But those aren't there. It's just the one. Just a 2D RGB 1080p camera. It's actually even worse than the front-facing camera on the current iPhone, which is housed in a smaller notch than this. So why do it? Why lose a huge chunk of the screen to an inferior camera that could have fit. It could have fit in the smaller bezel. Why didn't they do it? This was the question that plagued me all week. And it's not a cost-saving measure because it costs more to make the custom screen to house the notch in the first place. You want to know why? Because that's how you know it's a MacBook. Even though in a lot of the promotional material, they're trying to hide the notch. So that the naysayers will think that it's less obtrusive. There's only one reason it makes sense. It's to be iconic. Which was the same reason 
they put the notch on the iPhone in the first place. Because it stands out, it's an eye catcher, and it's how you know that it's a MacBook. Someone in chat says maybe they didn't include the fancy camera originally because they had to change the last minute for COVID. They could have also just delayed the MacBook Pro then. And it would have totally been on brand for Apple to have done that. To have just waited until they were ready. I argue because of the way it is because of the way it's designed they planned this from the beginning and like I said it's a shame because it is a fantastic laptop until you get to that bite taken out of the top But then, of course, there is the other elephant in the room. The price. Because these are not cheap laptops. These start at $2,000. This is not your college laptop. This absolutely is not your laptop you're taking to Kuleg. $2,000 for your eight, for an eight core Apple M1 Pro chip that is rocking a 14 core GPU. Basically what this is before you start thinking, oh my God, they have two variants of this. Every GP, every single one of these M1s that don't meet the validation to have the full 10-core CPU layout, they just disable the defective cores and then load them into this. That's all it is. It's a way of reusing defective chips. That's all. It's done actually way more often than you think. But if you want the full-blown M1 Pro chip, $2,500. In fact, actually, let's go, to the, let's, let's, go to the, let's go to the order page. The baseline includes an 8-core CPU, a 14-core GPU, 16 gigs of unified memory, and a 256-gig SSD. Keep in mind, all of these specs I just mentioned are in the one chip. If anything happens to that one chip, that's it. The end. But having everything in that one chip does mean that everything can communicate with itself at stupid fast speeds. So there is that as well. For $2,500, you get the 10-core CPU, the 16-core GPU, 16 gigs of unified RAM, and a 1-terabyte SSD. You can get that for $2,500. These are actually priced as professional laptops. 
as opposed to before when they were good premium laptops but lacked the professional performance. That's clearly where where these are trying to compete with. They are trying to compete with the Dell Precisions and whatnot. Now, if you move up to the 16-inch line, it starts with a 10-core 10 10 CPU, 16-core GPU M1 Pro for $2,500, which then raises the question, is there any reason to go with the 14-inch over the 16-inch unless you just really want a slightly smaller laptop? I'll just tell you this right now. Don't get the high-end 14-inch laptop. Just move up to the 16. You get a better C- you get a, get a better USB charger and whatnot. You get better battery life. You, you'll be happier. I'll just tell you that right now. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Then there's a $2,700 model that has a one terabyte SSD. And then if you want that M1 Max... $3,500. Someone in chat says a lot of people don't want a 16-inch laptop. A lot of those same people also aren't looking for a pro-level laptop either. Like, keep in mind, these laptops are not intended for the average user. They're intended for actual professionals on the go. That is the target. And a lot of those same people want as much screen real estate as possible. Now, that being said, it's your money. I can't tell you how to spend it. You do you. I'm just a guy behind a mic. What can I tell you to do? I know what I would do. I mean, first off, I would get off this page and go literally anywhere else for a laptop. But I mean, if I if I was still had Stockholm syndrome and still stuck in the Apple ecosystem, I'd get the baseline 16 inch. And then chat brings up the elephant in the room again. If they want as much screen real estate as possible, then the notch is even stupider. Exactly! This is what drives me nuts about the notch! It's so unnecessary. But it's there now, I can't stop it. But yeah, M1... M1 Max models start at $3,500. But don't worry. We can still configure this thing. We can go ahead and upgrade to 64 gigs of unified RAM. We can get this thing up to 8 terabytes of storage. And get this thing all the way up to... 60... One hundred dollars.
$6,100 for all that performance and all your and and the only promise you get for how good it is is a weird line graph that seems to tell you nothing other than relative performance I don't know lol and nothing else Fortunately Many tech outlets have already said they have bought multiple units to test. I know Linus has posted out that uh, he has bought a lot of the of the configurations to get get them tested. Someone in chat asks, "Can I get it repaired locally?" No. No, you can't. It's Apple. Let's be perfectly honest. They're not going to go... Even if you find a repair shop that's Apple certified, they're not allowed to have the parts on stock. Which means you're going to be without your $6,100 laptop for two weeks while they wait for the part to come in. And this has always been one of the things I have always always ripped on Apple for. They call something professional, but performance for a professional is nowhere near as important as uptime. The computer completing a task within a certain amount of time is still important. Don't misunderstand. But if the computer is out of order for two weeks because of a RAM issue, which means a motherboard swap, regardless of how expensive it is, which, by the way, it's going to be expensive because everything's on the one chip, which, I mean, you're looking at a good $1,000 repair right there. Being out for two weeks is more valuable to the business than the $1,000 repair bill to get the unit up and running. Yeah. You got some issues there, Apple. Now, that being said, some leaked benchmarks, assuming we can take them for what they're worth, rates the M1 Max at roughly the same performance level as a mobile RTX 3070 while consuming roughly half the power of that mobile 3070. Which, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait until the laptop's out and then probably still not buy it because I currently have $7 in my wallet. 
But even then, I would absolutely, absolutely, before anyone contemplating pulling the trigger on these machines, wait for actual third-party independent benchmarks to come out. We could be surprised like we were with the M1 that Apple's ridiculous claims turned out to, for the most part, be true. But let's be honest. It's Apple. I would be stunned. Underline stunned. If every single one of their outrageous claims were exactly spot on. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We're gonna, we have to talk about the Pixel event and the Samsung event. And then news that actually matters. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, you remember that phone that we know everything about? That phone that was being leaked over and over and over again? We even got to see how it was assembled? Yeah, it was finally announced. The Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro have officially been announced. They're doing a weird little frickin' uh, double embargo on it, though, so we don't have benchmarks on... We don't have the one bit of info we want because it, it uses a custom CPU on the inside. It uses its own in-house censorship. That has now been confirmed as it's been confirmed 68 times before. But we don't have benchmarks of it yet because that's still under embargo. What we do have is the price... Which, by the way, the Pixel 6 Pro starts at $900, and the Pixel 6 starts at $600, which is okay. It's pretty good. And every other spec we had is pretty much spot on. The look, the screen size, everything. What are those specs? Do you really care? Does anyone here really care? Honestly, I still, when it comes to smartphones, honestly, you can get all the measurements and whatnot and get an idea for how it is, but you're not going to buy it until you at least get into wherever the cell phone store is you're picking up your phone from and hold the plastic mock-up in your hand to feel how it is in your hand. Someone in chat says they care. All right, fine. I'll go find them. I'll go find the specs. Nope, apparently this article doesn't have it. Someone in chat asked, does it have a built-in audio jack? No, of course not. What year do you think this is? You think this is a year where we're allowed to have headphones on our phones? That's crazy. That is absolute lunacy, headphone jacks. What do you think this is, 2016? 
No. Headphone jacks are dead. As much as we hate to say it, they're they're gone. That ship, unfortunately, has sailed. We lost. Every single freaking phone that is going to come out pretty much from here on out, it's not going to have a headphone jack. They're not. You're going to get lucky when, like, a random Nokia does or a random Motorola... Maybe the the Pixel 6e, the the efficiency model, might get it. Sony phones, apparently, yeah, all two. All two of the Sony phones still have a headphone jack. But no, just assume, unless someone makes a big deal about having a headphone jack, it doesn't have it. There is a teardrop notch in the screen. They're trying to hide it, though, with a black background. The biggest thing that's a surprise on this, though, is that Google is promising three years of major OS updates and five years of security updates on top of that. And then the rumored Pixel Pass also is a real thing. So the Pixel Pass, you pay, I'm sorry, what? $45 a month for the Pixel 6 and $55 a month for the Pixel 6 Pro. You get, I assume the phone. I I would hope the phone for that much a month. But also get YouTube Premium. YouTube Music Premium, Google One with 200 gigabytes of safe, reliable cloud storage for full resolution photos and videos, the Google Store discounts and automatic phone backup and more, the Google Play Pass with access to hundreds of games and apps and whatnot, and preferred care coverage to cover, quote, life's little accidents with hassle-free device repairs. I am not a fan of the subscriptionification of uh of the world. Very very quickly everything is becoming a subscription. I just, I, I, I don't know what to say. What to say. It still doesn't say whether you get the phone or not. Unless I'm just missing it. It does look like they're implying you get the phone with it. They're just not saying it outright. I'm also not sure if this covers like any Google Fi service because that was one thing that was being speculated was that this pass also gets uh, the Google Fi cell phone coverage on it as well. 
And honestly, for 55 a month, get the phone, the coverage, and all these extra features, that's pretty good, to be perfectly honest. Someone in chat says it does, and I'm, I must be glancing over that. You can subscribe to Pixel Pass on the Google Store or with a phone plan on Google Fi. It does not include it. It's just you can sign up for it with a phone plan for it. So that would be extra on top of it, which makes sense because getting the phone coverage on there along with all that for 55 a month, that actually is a good deal. That's why it's not there. So that's the Pixel event. It's everything we expected. That also being said, Android 12 is now available for several phones. And you can go ahead and install it on Google's new phone and on other Pixels and hopefully on your current device soon. But Android 12 is currently available on the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL, Pixel 3a, Pixel 3a XL, Pixel 4, Pixel 4a, Pixel 4a 5G, Pixel 5, Pixel 5a, Pixel 6, and Pixel 6 Pro. It will arrive on other phones later this year. And Android 12, if I remember right, is actually supposed to be a really big update. I actually am looking forward to trying it out a few months after it's been out. All right. Should we talk about the Samsung Galaxy event? Samsung teased a Galaxy Unpacked event part two. This could be it. This could be new phones, a new fan edition, the return of the Galaxy Note. No. Here's what you got. They announced the Galaxy Z Flip 3 Bespoke Edition in which you can customize the colors externally on the phone. I want to remind you that on these folding phones, your fingernail can cause permanent damage to the screen. Just thought I'd remind you. There is also four new Galaxy Watch faces. By the way, this bespoke model costs $100 more than the base model. But four new Galaxy Watch 4 features like live wallpaper and some other watch faces. And also special editions with of your Galaxy Buds 2 and your Galaxy Watch 4. That's literally it. 
this was such a nothing burger. I had to hunt. I actually had to hunt when I found out that there was a Samsung event and no one had were promoting their articles about it. That's how much of a nothing the Samsung event was. I'm not going to lie. I was very, 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 very greatly disappointed. I also suppose this guarantees that um, the Galaxy Note 20 is the last Note we ever see. Which is a shame. Because I know there'd be plenty of people that would want a bigger phone than the Ultra and wouldn't even care. Well, they'd care about the size a little bit, but they would love to see all the excess features, the wider screen, the stylus support, expandable storage and all that jazz. But unfortunately, no. Not there at all. Someone in chat says the note has been superseded by the fold. I suppose. But there's a big difference between the fold and the note. The fold... can get damaged by your fingernail. The note... I swear that thing could could live through being run over by a car. The note line has just always been an absolute unit of a phone. And to see it dead from Samsung is uh well I guess just more proof that the Samsung that I knew and loved is dead. And all they are now is just the Android equivalent of Apple. Chad also reminds me of the Note 7 caught fire. Or was that the Note 8 that caught fire? crud I actually don't remember which one it was now it was either the 7 or the 8 it was the 7 okay it's a real shame I would have loved to have seen the note still come around and actually have like all the features I would have loved to have seen it hey here's your you know that headphone jack here you go you want extendable storage you want a productivity phone fine here it is you want your stylus? Fine, here it is. This thing is freaking so much wider than any other phone. That's fine, here you go. I would have loved to have seen the end-all, be-all phone that the Note originally was. But we're just not that lucky, are we? Wah, wah.
Meanwhile, uh, on, on, on the Windows side of things, Android apps on Windows 11 is coming to Windows Insiders on the beta channel. Yay. I actually want to see how well it performs because the way they want to put this in is just absolutely awful. But we'll see how well it performs. Maybe my worries will be unjustified. That being said, though, I want to bring you to a funny little story. How many people have heard of dbrand? I'd assume almost all of you. But dbrand, for those who somehow don't know, what they do is that they sell cosmetic alterations for various electronics. They sell screen protectors, they sell cases, they they sell... Their primary focus has always been skins for the back of your devices that de-brands the device and covers up the logo. Well, the other thing with de-brand is that their marketing team pretty much behaves exactly like I do if you just woke me up with a swarm of bees. Very sarcastic, very snarky, and very, very unapologetic is the way they behave. And recently, actually not recently, but a while back when the PS4 or PS5 was first launched, Dbrand announced dark plates. The plates on the side of the PS5 are removable. So what you do is that you take off the white ones and then Dbrand would sell you a set of black ones to put in its place, and it actually helped the cosmetic look of the PS5 greatly. Well, Sony sued Dbrand. Saying that the dark plates are interfering with their trademark on the side panels of the PS5. So I am going to read verbatim Dbrand's response because they've now launched Dark Plates 2.0. And the tagline is just Checkmate Lawyers. This is going to be good. Now, I'm going to describe what they did first. What they did is that normally the way PS5 looks is that it has very angular corners. Instead, of what D-Baron did with these new dark plates is that they're, they're still black. But they cut off the, like, popped collar look on the original plates. So that's now rounded and now a different shape. And they also had a fan intake vent 
over where the PS5's massive squirrel cage blower is on the inside. To which they announced that they're cutting corners. Get it? Because they cut the corner on the edge. Our loss is your gain. Imagine this. I'm reading this verbatim, by the way, off the D-Band D- site. Imagine this. You're a $15 trillion enterprise who just spent a small fortune designing their next-gen generation gaming console. A privately held company run by a bunch of robots makes it black. The world rejoice, rejoices. You're livid. You vent your frustrations to a team of lawyers. They get to work. Now under threat of litigation, those robots have to redesign their dark plates while also funding a legal defense. Needless to say, some corners were cut. You're welcome. Adding vents. Give those fans some airs. It's time for a physics quid. Quiz. It's time for a physics quiz. Do you think oxygen can pass through a three millimeter panel of uninterrupted plastic? If you answered no... Congratulations, you're qualified to be our next, and only, fan scientist. It's a dangerous line of work. You'll also get get to tell us things like, you should add some vents to the dark plates. Moments before a horrific industry accident. Fair trade. Improving thermals. Looks cool, runs cooler. In... In the time it took you to read the last paragraph, we found a fan scientist. Dang it. My new profession is already shot. Somewhere, be- somewhere between doing a lot of math and walking headfirst into an oversized fan blade, he told us that your console run cooler because of the vents we added. We extend heartfelt thanks to the fan scientist and condolences to his family. If they'd like to sue us for his wrongful death, they'll have to get in line. And avoiding the lawsuit. Thanks, Sony. Do you have any idea how many lawyers we had to go through to find some that are willing to take on the Dark Plates case? We'll give you a hint. The answer is at the bottom of Lake Ontario. Turns out our new lawyers can handle either the mur- can handle either the murder charges or the Dark Plates file, but not both. We may be in a maximum security prison by the end of the year. But at least your PlayStation 5 will have an indisputably original design. Colonizing Mars, as I believe this is actually their last post, is it? No, it's not their last post. Colonizing Mars, we proudly boast that the Dark Plates 1.0 package was the pinnacle of box science. What do you do when you've already reached the summit? The answer is obvious. You go even higher. Today, we're proud to announce that we've sent our box scientists to Mars. It's going to take a while to replace those who perish on the, on the one-way journey, but the results speak for themselves. And as for the finishing touches, dark plates meet light strips. If you made it this far down the page without buying anything, you're probably a lawyer. Good news for us, bad news for you. There, probably, aren't any newly approved patents on custom LED light strips, middle skins, 
or all new light plate, light all new dark plates 2.0 colorways. Service another cease and desist if we're wrong. That's the whole thing for their dark plates. I do love the fact when you're making a choice, you have the disc ignition, three three colorways, limited stock, not illegal, or the digital edition, also three colorways, also limited stock, also not illegal. So the dark plates are back. And dbrand continues to show that if I thought I had a lot of snark in me, I got nothing. Underline nothing on dbrand. Though that being said, in the PlayStation news, God of War, Dad of Boy is in fact coming to the PC. So if you're like me, well, actually, well, actually, no, I still have this on PS4. But if you don't have a PS4 and you want to get God of War, hey, it's coming to your PC. Which you may or may not have a fictional GPU for. Gotta hate 2020. Gotta hate 2021 even more. Why are computer computer opponents fictional? What is this world? Either way, this is a very interesting little turn as more and more and more of what used to be console exclusives are seeing their way to being on different platforms. Someone in the chat says their fictional water-cooled 3090 is working great. Of course it's working great. It's fictional. The beauty of having a fictional graphics card, it doesn't generate any heat. Because it's not actually physically there. And for bonus points, you just install the water block into the PC. So when people look at your PC and judge you for not having a graphics card, they'll never know because the GPU water block is just floating there. Big brain planning right there. Galaxy brain level planning. For your consoles. Now the PS5 has finally. Underlined. Finally broken. Nintendo's Switch's 33 month streak. Of being the top. US monthly. Hardware sold. Console. The Switch has had the most number of units. Sold every month since 2018. But. This last month that finally changed. Enough people took this survey and lied about being able to get a fictional console like a PS5 that the PS5 has actually topped out the number of people lying and saying they bought a Nintendo Switch. Okay, in all seriousness, people actually have been getting these consoles. They're just rare. Like, very rare. I swear this entire, this entire shortage of both chips and consoles is just to make those of us that have mocked and laughed at the idea of pre-ordering just to prove us wrong. I am convinced of this. 
That is the sole reason for the chip shortage. It's just to prove the rest of us wrong that pre-ordering actually has a purpose. We're going to take our break here. When we come back, I have a bit more gaming news and the most bizarre cryptocurrency scheme yet. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. When I tell you about EA Games, what is one of the first things you start thinking of besides Blinding Rage? Besides the fact that they killed Westwood Studios? Besides the fact that they've ruined so many games? Chad has said, oh no, scam, blinding rage, Madden. Madden's a good one. The company that can ru- that ruin Command and Conquer loot boxes. <laughs> one of the things that EA has been responsible for for way too long is re-releasing the, the same freaking game every year and increasing the number by one. They do it with Madden and they also do it with FIFA. FIFA being popular for reasons that scientists cannot explain anywhere. Well, the actual FIFA is uh, not thrilled with the fact that EA has had dominance over the games. I imagine they're also displeased with the fact that uh, they don't innovate the genre at all it's literally the same game every year i swear if i went ahead and grabbed a copy of fifa 02 the graphics are going to somehow be exactly the same as fifa 2021 or are they on fifa 2022 by now someone in chat says uh, soccer or football as it's known in pretty much the rest of the world is is pretty much a religion there is that element but i'd also argue have you i could think of a lot of things that i like in real life and to watch in real life but then play the video game version and go oh oh ew oh oh no like i'm a fan of american football you will never see me play an american football game both physically and in video game form. It's never going to happen. As much as I like the sport, the video game form of it is bad. And also I'm hilariously out of fit. I would be absolutely killed. Both metaphorically and also quite possibly physically. But getting back to the point, FIFA is now in talks with other developers, I imagine 2K being one of them, in talks about widening 
It's gaming and esports options. Of course. Esports. Of course, that word would enter the field. Now, quite frankly, I just want to see EA just get kicked in the shins. I still have a very, very difficult time forgiving EA for ruining Command and Conquer and also ruining Ultima. And also for existing. Just existing in general, man. Oh yeah, and also ruining PopCap games. How can I forget? The one good thing mobile gaming had for a while. And EA ruined it. Oh. I miss you, Peggle. I miss you, Plants vs. Zombies. Such a shame what they did to you. But in any case, this is an interesting little move because it could actually force EA to possibly innovate its own game designs. Maybe we could see EA try to create something good. Why is everyone in chat telling me to stop smoking? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a fairy tale, isn't it? A, a bit, bit far-fetched there, huh? Yeah. I can, I can hope for the best, but prepare for reality. I'm not above that. Meanwhile, Ubisoft is apparently reviving the Splinter Cell series. According to sources that are talking to VGC, Ubisoft recently greenlit a new Splinter Cell game that could be launching with... Okay, they've told us nothing other than the fact that there is a new Splinter Cell game. But it's something, I suppose. I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see what actually happens. But the fact that we're starting to resurrect old game franchises, maybe Command and Conquer? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so either. Actually, didn't EA actually try making a, uh, a, a mobile, uh, version of Command and Conquer resurrecting that, uh, that IP from the dead, and then I cried when I saw it? I think I actually recall this. You know what, screw it. I'm just going to go play Red Alert 2 and then cry afterwards. I think that's about the best I'm going to get out of Command & Conquer. Meanwhile, AT&T is taking advantage of the open license for Stadia. 
and you can now stream Backman Arkham Knight powered by the new white label Stadia streaming. You thought Stadia was dead. You thought it was dead. You thought they were going to do away with it. You for- you forgot all about the fact that Google offered the opportunity to license out the Stadia technology to other people. Admit it. You forgot cuz I forgot too. And then I remembered when I saw this article and went, "Oh no. Oh no." What fresh nightmare is this? Uh, Stadia is just going to be that zombie that never dies, isn't it? It's basically the walking dead and not the franchise. It's just going to stick around forever and rear its ugly head when you least expect it. And it's going to hope every time that you forgot CD existed. And now it's good again, right? Right? It's just... Never going to... It's never going to go away. Someone in the chat said it never truly lived. I mean, you're not wrong. It was born a zombie. You know what else is back from the dead? The Xbox Series X mini fridge. You forgot about this too. (laughs) Apparently we can pre-order it now actually. The six foot, 400 pound, one by one scale replica of the console and you can get it for the wait six foot this isn't a mini fridge That's like a full-size fridge at six feet. How big is this mini fridge? When, when I think mini fridge, I think roughly like three feet. I don't know what that is in metric units. I'm sorry. I'm, I, can't, I can't translate Imperial to a metric that well off the top of my head. But like six feet is like as tall as like an average person. Or am I misreading this? I have to be misreading this. Because there's no way a full-size fridge is going to be sold at Target for $99.99. Like, like that's actually a good deal for a full-size fridge. We're getting, we're looking into this. Something, something doesn't smell right here. I'm either misreading something as I'm like going through and trying to report on this all at the same time. Or someone messed up on this article.
Xbox One X replica mini fridge. It is already out of stock, as is tr- as is expected. Exterior. Okay, this makes way more sense. Exterior dim- dimensions: eighteen inches by nine inches by nine inches, or four hundred sixty-two millim. Or well, I'll just say four- forty-six centimeters by 23 centimeters by 23 centimeters why would they measure it in millimeters that's obnoxious I now want to see someone actually measure out the distance from one destination to another on a map in kilometers and then give that to someone in millimeters just to mess with them Oh, yeah, we got to go 1.6 million millimeters. Lol. So, so, okay, it is a true mini fridge. I don't know where this nonsense of... Uh, of six foot came from. Or they, or they might have been talking about some other stunt that I just didn't know, didn't know about or whatever. Is it bad I kind of want it? Like, that's still not a big fridge. Like, that's enough for, like, a couple of, of soda cans and your leftovers from one day. Someone in chat says you have to fight scalpers for it. Um, if if it's, I'm gonna be so sad if if it's already being scalped. Actually, no, I'd be shocked but not surprised. Let's go ahead and take a look. Xbox Series X Mini Fridge. I hate this world. $100 fridge, by the way, being sold for $375 on eBay. $499 from confirmed order. $300. I'm shocked, but not surprised. Honestly, I expected $300. But it's a fridge. What the heck is there a shortage of on a fridge? Like, I get why GPUs are being scalped. I get why freaking car car prices are going up. This is absurd. I have no idea if the lights are actually green. I don't even care anymore. I mean, for this much, it's dead to me. It, it, it's it 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 might as well be vaporware at that point. Let's be perfectly honest. 
By the way, the uh, the replica mini fridge actually listed on Target has two stars on it for its total reviews. 74% of the reviews have been one stars. And already... We right off the bat we have the PS5 fridge is better. Wow. It's just a ton of meme reviews because they couldn't get their hands on it. Someone in chat says four hundred pounds, that won't be easy to ship. I don't think it's a hundred pounds. Its actual weight is 11 pounds. The PS5 is not a fridge, it's an air purifier, someone in the chat says. I mean, also, not wrong. Yeah, no, it's everyone leaving leaving mass negative reviews because scalpers went ahead and bought them all. That's, That's just all there is to it. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Although someone said it wouldn't work with our energy drinks. Um, I can see in the picture it is clearly using the 18-ounce energy drink cans in there. Also, that's why shelves are adjustable. I think, yeah, I think it is misreading the original page. The original page made it sound like the dimensions of the meme fridge were the was the size of the mini fridge and it's not so um yeah the mini fridge was out was it is now a myth feels bad also hey by the way I forgot about this but Razer also had an event And they are now making PC components. Yes, the company that goes ahead and makes very fragile headsets. um, Keyboards that have keys that fail at random. Mice and controllers with short button lives. Oh, someone in chat says that their mask finally came out. And that apparently they have got Instascalp. Of course they did. I guarantee you Razer made 10 of them. And that's it. Here's the thing with the Razer mask. And I have been ripping on this thing a lot. Everyone, like when it first announced, it seemed like a great idea. It seemed like a cool idea to get, but here's the thing. Now that we're moving this far out of the, now that we're starting to phase out of this lockdown phase and constantly wearing mask phase, more and more people want to wear fewer and fewer masks. Razor took way too long to make this mask. And even then, I am still convinced that Razer made 
one prototype or two, because I think they had one that was dark, that was dark tinted and clear tinted. Someone in chat asked if the mask had RGB. Yes, the mask did have RGB. And that was it, that it was all just one giant feel goody PR, PR stunt. And that was it. Cause Razer does this all the time. Razer has done this time and time and time again at CES. They make a very cool product, people want it, and then it never hits the market. Remember, remember the modular PC that it was just one giant tower and you just add water-cooled components? Yeah, where's that? Remember the Switchblade? An 8-inch netbook that could that was powered by an Intel Atom and a low-powered NVIDIA chip that could do 720p gaming? Yeah, that never hit the market. With its versatile keyboard. That was basically just like the keyboard on that was like the predecessor to what we have now with the stream deck. Yeah, that never happened. The triple screen laptop. Yeah, it never happened. Like Razer does this all the time. And I think the only reason they actually finally released the mask is because they're on this massive push right now. Razer has literally stopped caring about how good they appeal to gamers and have now gone 100% in to how good they look to the PC crowd. And I don't mean the personal computer crowd. It is why their entire Twitter page has been nothing but pushing a cartoon snake planting trees. They literally stop caring about what they do as a whole and just want to get free points. And that's all the mask is. It's free points with the same crowd. Are we going to address the fact that your keyboards... While you're trying to go ahead and plant trees and be good for the environment, die so quickly that they're just going to pollute landfills? No, we're not going to address that at all. Are we going to address the fact that your massive headphones that go out to hear on them have bands thinner than the ones on my AKGs right now and can snap easily? No, we're not going to address that at all. Are we going to address the fact that your keyboard or that your mouse sw switches die ver very, very easily and have no sort of sealant whatsoever to keep gunk from getting in? Nah, we're not going to address that at all. If much like with Apple and their constant push for being environmentally friendly, all of your preaching for environmental friendliness is hollow, empty, and absolutely pointless. If your products are literally, not figuratively, but literally unrepairable and break easily so what's the point and it's with that background that we look at a $100 triple radiator AIO for your cool for your CPU cooler which is a good price for that but 
with the quality issues I just pointed out, do you want to take that chance? Hey, look, some RGB fans. You want to take that chance? But it works with Razer's RGB system that everyone's moved on from. Or here's probably the best, best question. Would you trust a Razer power supply in your computer? Not only would, not only could it fail early, but it could take every single other component in your computer with itself. I'll tell you this right now. You want to know what I'm eager for? There is one man out on YouTube. And someone in chat has already beat me to it. There is one man out there with the equipment to test all of this. One man who has, who has gotten a growing sense of snark along with his, uh, his still oddly monotone voice. This is absolutely something I cannot wait for the Gamers Nexus crew to test. I want to see who built this power supply. Because I guarantee you Razer didn't. I guarantee you Razer did not build this power supply. I guarantee you they did not build that those fans either. And, well, I know exactly who built the cooler Ace Detected. But I can't wait for Gamers Nexus and Steve to take a look at this and see just what kind of quality we can get out of Razer for this. Because I, I, I have no faith in it. I really don't. That being said, I actually, I actually do want to see here real quick. How much is the Razer mask going for on eBay? Apparently, it's not on eBay. Okay. Let's take a look here. We're, let's, go, let's go over to Razer. If they're, if they're now selling the mask, let's actually go ahead and check it out. The mask is now officially called the Razer Zephyr. Safe, social, sustainable. Okay, dear bud. There is one listing and it's already at $1,000. 
Even in the scalping world, they can't get a hold of this. That's how few of these rays are made. <laughs> wow. Impressive. Wait a minute. Unopened filter pack. No. Did they really decide to switch from a reusable UV cleansed filter like they promised? No more switching filters. That was the promise. No, apparently they are still using the same ones. All right, so I don't know what's going on then. Transparent design with an anti-fogging coating. Okay, dear bud. Stay sustainable, replaceable three-day filters. No one's going to do that. They're not saying what the price is on this either. Are we sure this actually launched? Are we sure that the Razer mask actually did launch? I'm starting to have some doubts. 149? Did I miss that? Chat saying it, it, it's chat saying it was 149 for this mask. Top of the page. Use raise. That's not the price of the mask. That's them saying you can save 150 bucks using uh, this code. Okay, here we go. So, someone in chat gave me the correct. Not. Wow, really? That's it? hundred bucks? That's actually not terrible. That being said, uh, this, this does look way different from the original one they were showing off. Also, none of these people look happy. I just want to point that out. Every, every single model they have is not happy to be in this shoot. That's just one thing that really stands out to me in, um, in all of this. I'm going to just continue to move on from here and move on to the last part of the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. <laughs> the, um, a new cryptocurrency called WorldCoin has revealed what they're calling an orb scanner. This orb scanner, they are launching 30 of these throughout the world, eventually going to 4,000 of these devices throughout the world to scan people's irises 
into the orb and you'll be gifted an unknown amount of this currency called world coin no this is not an article from the onion no this is not an article from the hard times the scans of course are kept for unknown purposes but it's okay they have your iris information and with that you can make money apparently do they also want my credit card and my social security number and the three digits on the back and my mother's maiden name as well as an accurate uh, voice sample file so they can go ahead and recreate everything about me do they want some of my blood Here's the real question, though. Who's going to fall for this? You know what, though? When you already have people who unironically and actually believe that buying an NFT of a terrible picture is more valuable than buying a house. That is when you really know that the cryptocurrency world really has lost its ever loving mind. Folks, that is gonna do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you check out my other works, the daily podcast, the early bird briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast and check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Uh, by the way, one thing I didn't cover, um, Blizzard finally did announce the new name of McCree. It is, let me see if I can actually refine it. It is now Cole Cassidy and pretty much the old, Either people don't care, which I'm one of them, or are furious about it. And quite frankly, those people are butthurt. Take care, and hopefully I'll see you next time. I know we did just kind of tack that in at the last minute about the Cole Cassie thing. I completely forgot until I was searching around for that tweet regarding that NFT crazy guy.
But um, the reason that Cole Cassidy is now McCree is because the Blizzard employee that McCree was named after was involved in the sexual harassment lawsuit and was terminated because it turned out he was a bad person. And thus kind of going to the whole mindset of, you know, maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't name characters after employees. Because then things get really awkward if things like that get found out or if they just move on from there. Yeah. what's Someone asked what's going to happen to Mac Airy in WoW. Probably already removed. I mean, in WoW, they freaking got rid... They, they literally turned pictures of women into fruit in WoW. Why? Just take out everything. Just t- turn WoW into a game of Pong. What does it matter? WoW is way too focused on just being dumb. Oh, hey, a scam call. <laughs> 